the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. It doesn't matter how inadequate you are. It doesn't matter how incapable you are. It doesn't matter how ill-equipped you are if God is with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And listen, God likes to use nobodies. God likes to use nobodies. He likes to use the weak so that he gets all the glory. He intentionally chooses the inadequate so that he gets all the glory. If we go by our own strength and just pure determination, we will never succeed. No matter how hard we try or how much we might want it, we can't do anything out of our own willpower. It is by God's strength that we accomplish anything and everything. In today's message, Pastor Dan will share some reasons that God chooses those with no evident strength or natural talent. When the Lord works in and through those people, it is He whose strength and talent are seen through them, and He who succeeds. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Chapter 4, verse 19, when the Lord calls Moses to leave Midian and return to Egypt, it says, now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. He's saying the king who sought your life is dead. In other words, amnesty, amnesty has been granted to those who are guilty of a crime. So Moses, you have amnesty now for killing that Egyptian. It's safe for you to return to Egypt because when a new king comes to power, the first thing he would do is he would grant amnesty to criminals. He would release prisoners and he would set the slaves free. But this new king didn't set the Hebrews free. That's what this verse is telling us. The the king of Egypt died But then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. All the Hebrews could do was groan because of their slavery, because of their bondage. They were powerless to free themselves. So too with us. The Bible says we are slaves to sin and there's nothing we can do. There's nothing in ourselves. We can't free ourselves from the power of sin, no matter how hard we try. And so all we can do is groan. Oh, why did I do that? And cry out because of our condition. We need someone to deliver us. And that someone is Jesus Christ. He delivers us from our slavery to sin through his death on the cross for our sin. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. 
you are a slave to your sin. And you are powerless to get yourself free. But Jesus Christ will set you free. If you give your life to him, Jesus Christ will set you free. That's what he came to do, to deliver you and to redeem you. And so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Now, when it says here that he remembered uh, his covenant with Abraham, it's not like God forgets. It's that he's, he's moving again. He's acting again on the basis of this covenant. It's not like he's like, oh, yeah, I've got all those people down in Egypt. I forgot all about them. No, he's just acting again on the basis of this covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, that brings us to chapter 3. Between chapter 2 and chapter 3, 40 years goes by. Moses has been in the desert of Midian for 40 years. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He doesn't even have his own flock. He, he went from being in Pharaoh's royal family, in Pharaoh's palace, maybe in line to become Pharaoh and king of Egypt, Now he's living in the desert. He doesn't even own his own flock. He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. He's not even in the front of the desert anymore. He's way out in the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. Again, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, they're in Arabia, not the Sinai Peninsula. Galatians 4.25, Paul says Mount Sinai is in Arabia. You can actually visit Mount Sinai today in Saudi Arabia. It's only been in the last few years that the Saudi Arabian government has allowed Christians to come into the country to visit Mount Sinai. Horeb is called the mountain of God. Look at verse 2. The angel of the, of the Lord appeared to him. Now, the angel of the Lord is capitalized in your Bible, probably. And it's capitalized because this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Before he's born as the baby in Bethlehem, he appears in the Old Testament in several places in what is known as a Christophany. And this is one of those places where he appears. And the angel of the Lord, of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I guess he's saying this to himself. He's out there in the desert by himself with a bunch of sheep. He's just talking to himself now. So now I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. Moses was 80 years old at this point. He's on the backside of the desert. He's alone with his father-in-law's sheep. When he sees this burning bush, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. We're told this was the angel of the Lord appearing to him in the flame of fire. And this burning bush caught Moses' attention, as you would imagine it would. And he said, I'm going to go check out this bush. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. And as Moses was standing there looking at this bush burning but not consumed, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, 
Moses, which I'm sure scared the stew out of him, right? I mean, he's out there by himself in the desert, and suddenly you hear this voice. I'm sure he jumped in the air, right? And he said, here I am. Verse 5. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And what made that place holy ground? God's presence. Because God was there. The presence of God in any place makes that place holy. It makes it holy ground. And so your kitchen table can be holy ground. Or the couch in your living room can be holy ground. Or a picnic table out at Centennial Park can become holy ground. If you are there and you are seeking the Lord and focused on the Lord in that place and meeting with the Lord there, it becomes holy ground. The presence of God makes it holy. This used to be an office building. This room used to be filled with cubicles at one point. What makes it holy is the presence of God. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And there may come a day where this building is turned back into office space. And it's, it, what makes it holy is the presence of God. That's what makes it holy. The Lord God tells Moses to take off his sandals because the place where you stand is holy ground, he said. You know, the priests that ministered in the tabernacle and then later in the temple, they ministered in their bare feet. When you read the description of their garments that the priests wore in the tabernacle, nothing is said about their shoes that they should wear. Because they didn't wear shoes. It was holy ground. They were ministering in the presence of the Lord. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, John chapter 1 says, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son has declared him, has revealed him. Again, this is a Christophany here. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. He says here that I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk refers to goat's milk here. This implies that the promised land will be a land of pastures for grazing sheep and goats. Honey refers to date honey, not bee honey or wild honey, but honey made from dates. Date honey implies the land will be fertile for farming. So it's a land flowing with milk and honey, rich for grazing livestock and for farming. It it was the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Previous to Israel, the land did not belong to any one people. Israel was the first nation to possess that land as their own, the land that God gave them. And so verse 9 
Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, Moses will try to excuse himself from God's call. And he's going to give five excuses as to why he's not the God. You got the wrong God. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So he says in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' first objection is, Who am I? I'm nobody. Watching sheep for the last 40 years on the backside of the desert has humbled Moses. Initially, he tried to deliver the Israelites by his own strength, killing the Egyptian, burying him. Now he's at a point where he says, who am I? Who am I that I could go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I could lead the children of Israel out? And look at God's answer in verse 12. This is so important. He said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of, out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses' objection was, who am I? And God's response is, I will certainly be with you. Who you are doesn't matter. Who you are doesn't matter if God is with you. It doesn't matter how inadequate you are. It doesn't matter how incapable you are. It doesn't matter how ill-equipped you are if God is with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And listen, God likes to use nobodies. God likes to use nobodies. He likes to use the weak so that he gets all the glory. He intentionally chooses the inadequate so that he gets all the glory. And God tells him, after you lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, you're going to bring them back here to, to Horeb, where they will serve the Lord God. Again, Horeb is Mount Sinai, where God will make the covenant with Israel. So Moses raises his next objection in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. When they ask my name, say, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. That's God's name. 
And God's name, it speaks of God's character. God is I am. Listen, his name is not I was. And his name is not I will be. His name is I am. His name is not I was. God was God was once able to do that. But not anymore. His name is not I will be. I will be able to help you one day. Just can't help you today. No, he is. I am. I am. Which speaks of the all sufficiency of God. He is the ever present one. In every situation in life, God is all you need. He, he is the, the I am. Whatever your need may be, he is the I am. Whatever burdens you've brought in, he is the I am. He, he, he's, he's always the answer to your situation. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus will define this for us. He will tell us what God is. When God says, I am, I am what? Well, Jesus will tell us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. I am everything you need in every situation. That's God. Psalm 46 says God is a very present help. Whatever you need, God can take care of your need and meet that need. He's a very present help. He's the I am in every situation. So he says, tell them I am sent you. He goes on. He goes on here. Verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob appeared to me saying, I, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites to the land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, watch this, the Lord God of the Hebrews. Notice Lord is L-O-R-D capital. It's Yahweh. Jehovah God, Yahweh God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. The Lord instructs Moses to go first to the elders of Israel and then go to Pharaoh and ask that the Hebrews may go out into the desert for three days to worship their God, Yahweh. Do you see that? To go out just for three days to worship 
Yahweh. So please note this. Initially, they were to ask for three days just to go into the desert to worship their God. They weren't asking to be set free so that they could leave and go to their own land. They weren't planning to uh, dupe the Pharaoh. Like, hey, we'll just tell him we're going to be gone for three days, but once we hit the border, we're not looking back. You know, It's not like a Bruce Springsteen song, like I went out for a ride and I never went back kind of thing. So what's the deal? Why the request to leave for only three days? Well, the Hebrews were not the only slaves in Egypt. And, and we know from archaeology and from some of the writings that have been discovered There are records of the Egyptians allowing other groups to go out into the wilderness for three days to worship their God and then return. And so this request of the Hebrews to have three days just to go worship their God in the desert and then come back was actually a very common request. And it was a reasonable request. And they allowed other groups to do this. But the king of Egypt will not allow them to go. Not even for three days, which shows the hardness of the king's heart toward the Hebrew people in particular. This new king didn't set them free from their enslavement when he came to power, which was the usual practice. And he is unwilling to let them go for just three days, as was common with other groups in Egypt. This king's heart is exceptionally hard toward the people of God. And so that brings us to verse 20, where he says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her, her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. And so you shall plunder the Egyptians. You remember back in Genesis 15, I'll just read it to you. God told Abraham, Genesis 15, 13. He said, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So God tells them here, hey, as you're leaving Egypt, when I deliver you as you're leaving, you're going to ask the Egyptians for gold and silver and garments and they're going to give you a bunch of gold and silver on your way out. And this was, you know, the compensation that they deserved for 400 years of slavery. Later on, God will incorporate this in the law. Uh, Whenever a slave was emancipated, they were to be compensated and and sent out with provisions. Uh, And so when the children of Israel go out from Egypt, they will plunder Egypt on their way out. And all of that gold and all of that silver and all of the The garments will be used to build the tabernacle once they're out in the wilderness. And we'll stop there. We'll pick it up with chapter four next week. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, just the great story of your redemption and how you rescue your people and redeem your people. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came to redeem us and rescue us from sin and death through your death and resurrection. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Ring of Truth just brought you another great verse-by-verse teaching with Pastor Dan Sexton. Aren't you glad you stuck around to listen? We trust today's words touched your life in a very real and personal way. Pastor Dan has been staying in the book of Exodus with its stories of redemption and so much more. You don't want to miss a single episode. And if by chance you already have, just go to calvaryec.com to catch up. While you're there, check out our app to get other messages. Follow us on Facebook and iTunes, too. If you don't know that much about us or what we believe, make sure to visit the About tab. It will fill you in on what we're all about here. Are you in the Maryland area? Come visit us either Sunday morning or Thursday evening. Times can be found at calvaryec.com, so make sure to go there now. Meeting you face-to-face would be such a privilege. Our time with you has come to an end today, and so for now we say goodbye. But before we go, would you give us a call at 410-491-4592 and let us know how this program spoke to you today? Again, that's 410-491-4592. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. Thank you from Columbia, Maryland, for listening to Ring of Truth. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.